Thanks for listening to the Providence Community Church Podcast. We hope you've been inspired today to love Jesus more deeply. For more information and other ways to connect with us, you can visit us on the web at providencecommunity.org. Good. Well, guys, it's good to, uh, to be with you this morning. Um, last week was my first week back since uh, my sabbatical. Uh, I told you last week that I kind of feel like uh, when a dad goes on a trip and he comes home with, with uh, presents for the kids, that's kind of how I feel. I feel like God gave me a lot of stuff. It wasn't all easy. My wife did not uh, serve me as I was laying in a hammock. She did not feed me grapes. There, there's no coconut juice involved. I guarantee that on my sabbatical. Uh, I, I didn't go to Caribbean islands. It wasn't anything like that. A sabbatical is a, is a time to hit pause and go deep into your heart. And sometimes when you go deep into your heart, heart, you find that some of the things in your heart that you were glossing over with busyness needs to be dealt with. Hello? And uh, so the sabbatical was good, just not easy. And uh, uh, easy or not, aren't you glad that sometimes some of the greatest gifts come out of trial and pain, where you have to press through and trust Jesus uh, in it, and if ease was the prerequisite for blessings, like, I'm scared, my friends. Sometimes in hard situations, God gives us blessings to give to the church. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm standing before you so blessed, uh, so encouraged, and I feel like I've got a lot of good gifts to give to you all. So would you like another one this morning? All right. So the last week, um, I started out, it was like a true confession where I just was vulnerable before you, and I told you how I was uh, blowing it. Um, where literally Holy Spirit was showing me that the wind in my sails or the movement in my life or what my life was being compelled in too much, not in every single way, but too often as I was being driven by like a striving, a, a stressing, and a frustration, okay, into my life. And so I was open and honest with you and, and uh, about me. Um, this morning, I really feel the need. I feel compelled to talk, not out of anger and frustration, though I'm grieved by what I'm about to say. Um, I really feel compelled uh, to talk to you about, uh, about something else that doesn't just involve me on this one, though I'm in on this with all of us. And it's not just even about all of us, it's about, it's about uh, Christians in, in general, especially in America, especially around us, uh, but let's just focus on us this morning and, and, and Christianity kind of in, in our domain of where we live. I'm, I'm very, very, very concerned a little bit. And so I, I want to share this with you uh, th- this morning. I, I feel like uh, God's given us a great mission at Providence, and it's to bring light to dark places. Amen? Come on, somebody. It's to, to bring life to dead places, right? Hello. It's to bring hope to desperate places and heaven to earthly places. And so the people of Providence, the, the, in, in the, the kingdom of God, when there's darkness and when there's deadness and when there's hopelessness, when there's earthliness that seems like it's taking over, we run in there with hope and life and light and heaven. What does heaven say about your situation? And so the world gets blessed as a result of that. But what I'm experiencing, uh, and I think what we experience so much, is people that under the banner of Christianity make a mockery of the gospel. Do you know that, that today, um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a strange day because people who shouldn't have a voice do. It's called social media. <laughs> and I'm not knocking, I use it. I say, light it up, life it up, right? Hope it up, heaven, social media up. I say use it for the kingdom. But what I'm, what I'm discovering is in our social media age, it gives platforms to people to speak, and they shouldn't. 
Do you, do you know that some people think they're experts in something, but they're not? Uh, they shouldn't talk about certain subjects, but they do. They shouldn't have an opinion on this, but, they, but, but it's always made known. It's, very, it's a very strange day. It used to be that if you need uh, information, let's say from a librarian, what's that? You know, uh, but uh, you, go, you go to a librarian, but now you just toss it on, on Google and random people playing Fortnite chime in. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a strange day. But what this, what this does is uh, we live in this highly opinionated culture, and, and what, what happens is it's people tell themselves and tell the world, hey, if you can't handle the truth, we don't have to have a conversation. And when Christians begin to do this, it gets filthy. It gets abominable. Because what happens is people that shouldn't be representing the cross and the kingdom and the church do, and others start getting offended from people who should have never had a voice. Do you hear this? Do you hear this? So let me, let me give you an example, because one person clapped on that, and I'm sure they're, they're, it sounded like they were hyped on coffee, man, all right? So, so let me, let the rest of you are like, oh no, can you go back to confessing your own sin? Okay, well, uh, I'm, I'm in on this one with you, and I just did the sin of, of spitting a huge something out of my mouth just now. So, um, so, and you saw it, and you know it, and I'm embarrassed. But, uh, so I... Um, I need to build a privacy fence at my house. I've just, I have a teeny little yard and this teeny little section of yard where I, I share a, a border with a, a neighbor, this, this older lady. She, she's probably 42. No, uh, she's, uh, she's kind of in her 70s. And uh, she has like nine uh, Bashans, all right? And they always come out and they bark at the kids. Uh, they're not real dogs because they can't beat a cat in a fight. That is what a dog is, all right? Cats kill them. Baby bunnies kill these Bashans, all right? So uh, they're always dying. Uh, uh, but uh, so she's always complaining about how my kids, we have this little four-foot vinyl fence, and she's always saying, your kid's stuff flies into my yard. This is how Hanoverian ladies with Bashans talk. Like, what are you saying? I'm like, well, I've got children, <laughs> and we're neighbors. Well, their balls are landing over here. So I built a nine-foot privacy wall, all right? I don't know, fine, you know, you know, we wanted the privacy anyway. Ken Parvis uh, help me. We just, we got it 90% done. We uh, dug five holes, three feet deep, concrete. I felt like a man for once, you know. It was so, it was so good. Uh, drilling things. Uh, good time with, uh, with one of my favorite people was Ken Parvis. But before we did this, I, I YouTubed um, the, how to build a privacy wall, how to build a privacy fence. Because every good Christian knows that if you have a question to something important, you go to YouTube. What does the Bible say about this? Go to YouTube. Of course, that's where you start with everything. Of course, we formulate our opinions before we even open the scriptures with YouTube. That's a given, right? It's what we do. How do you feel about that church? Let's ask YouTube. How do you feel about that person? What's YouTube have to say? Because there's experts filling YouTube. So anyway, I went, I'd ask the experts on, on YouTube, and this 20-year-old guy uh, that was building a huge privacy fence, he gets on there and he says, hey guys, I'm building a huge fence. Uh, I'm not an expert, which I really appreciated that, but here's what I do. And so this whole, it was maybe a three, four, five-minute clip, and I was just watching how he did it. And then what happened, though, is if you read the comments at the bottom, the people blew 
this guy up. Blew him up. Like, I don't mean like five bad comments. I mean, I mean construction workers that have been doing this for years began to pick this guy apart. And it moved from you don't know how to build a fence, you don't know how to dig a hole, and moved into other places like you're 20 years old and you've never worked a day in your life. You're a millennial. You're a millennial. You're a millennial. And, and people started attacking an entire generation of people because this guy wanted to say, look at my fence. I'm like, this is the world that we live in. This is the world that we live in. Where someone says, hey, I'm building a fence, just wanted to show you, and then they get trashed for it. Unfortunately, Christians are the worst at this, aren't they? Smile at me. You know that I'm right. You know that I'm right. Start attacking. There's a, you can follow this guy on Instagram, that the whole Instagram account is he's trashing pastors for the shoes they wear. And people get on and they start attacking pastors, kids, and wives and start, start speaking like, you shouldn't wear nice shoes because you're a pastor. Trashing people's ministries, sharing their opinions. I, I miss Billy Graham. Billy Graham used to have people on the stage that not everybody knew and was maybe questionable, but he, they had him on stage because he knew them and they weren't questionable to him. And when critics came... One that were highly opinionated before social media, before they could fire this out to the masses, they'd come to Billy Graham, and Billy Graham was like, do you know these people? Well, I do. They're on my stage. Deal with it. I miss him. I miss voices like that, that don't let us trash other people and other ministries and other organizations and other 20-year-old fence builders. Instead of encouraging that guy, say, hey, good try. Your fence is going to fall in three years. <laughs> but good try. Stay at it. Can I come over and help you fix it when it does? Hey, come on, let, let's, let's return to, to being human. But the, the world that we live in is so opinionated, it's almost like we love our opinions more than the human race. It's almost like we love our thoughts about what we think the truth is more than actual image-bearing people. And I'm starting to get very not good with staying quiet on this one. The church, do you know that Jesus said to his disciples, disciples, the, words go, the world is going to know you not by your opinion of society, not by your trashing culture, not by the words you say, but the love that you have for one another. Do you know this? Do you know that people don't get saved because you reasoned them to the kingdom, but because Jesus loved them to the kingdom? And the days have to be gone where we actually think love is the patty cake icing on the top of the cake, and it's sweet, and of course you like love, but let's really get to truth, which is the meat. We know if you read the Bible, you never think like that, because truth never lands without a culture of love that it's being spoken in. Ephesians 4 says. So, so I, I, I wrote in my journal while I was on sabbatical, I said this. I want to be more hungry than opinionated, more humble than critical. Can I say that again? There's, let, let me, I'm, just, I'm giving this to you. This is something God's doing in me. I want to be more hungry. When I say hungry, I don't mean for five guys, though I am. All right? Oh, though I am. All right. I don't, I, when I say hungry, I, I mean for God himself. 
just to be at his feet, just to hear his word, just to soak in his presence, not to share my opinion with him, but to enjoy his person. I want to be more hungry than opinionated, more humble than critical. And when I say humble, it does it. This is not humility. I suck and I'm a loser. Uh, humble is not thinking lowly of yourself necessarily, but just thinking more of others. More of others. God, I'll go second, I'll go fourth, I'll go tenth, I'll go last. Bless other people. It's a humble person. So that's the prayer and that's the desire that God is doing in me. But it is coming from a place of deep concern about our culture, especially the culture in the church. Um, I expect the world to operate with high opinions and pride and arrogance. But I expect the church to operate in love. And, and what's worse is, is when, when the church operates like the world, highly arrogant and opinionated, shooting opinions at people and then spiritualizing it, the, the church loses its voice with the world. And I'm not about that. I've dedicated my whole life to going after the people that God loves. So here's a few things that, that I, I want to share with you. And so if, if, this doesn't, uh, if this doesn't ring your bell, I'm sorry. I, I'm still in process with it myself. But here's a few things that God's showing me from the scriptures that I'm going to share with you. Here's number one about uh, opinionatedness in our society is that strong opinions often show our ignorance and immaturity, not our wisdom. Do you know that wisdom is not winning an argument? Wisdom is winning a person. You know that? Wisdom is relational. It's not informational. Knowledge, but wisdom, wins people. It doesn't win arguments. And if you win an argument because of your great hermeneutics, if you win an argument be because of your, your great apologetics, if you win an argument because of your great ability to reason, but you lose the person on the way, what, it's not wisdom. Hello. Strong opinions often show our ignorance and immaturity, not our wisdom. Listen to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. It says this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding. Hey, I already know everything a fool says. I don't need to understand a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding. So if you, don't, if you don't love to learn, if you don't love to grow, if you make more bold statements than ask good questions, that the Bible says that's something really nasty, bad. That's called foolishness. Foolishness is loving your thoughts than more than loving to understand. It's, it's thinking you understand before you actually do. And what that, that, what that is called is foolishness or childishness. Childishness. When uh, this summer, what, my family's not a soccer family, but we flipped on um, like ESPN or something, and there was professional women's soccer being played. And these ladies ball, man. 
They're running up and down the field like they're crazy. I would not want to meet them anywhere, you know, uh, because they, they look angry and, uh, and they, they love to kick, all right? So, um, so they're, they're doing all this stuff. And I remember my, my kids and then the, this, there's seven kids. There's my kids. There's another kid. I don't even know who he was. And there's like three girls from another family. And they're all watching it. And they're screaming at the TV as the game is being played. And they're like, why didn't you pass it to her? I could have done better than that. I was like, whoa, I would love to see you on the field with her. Oh, it would be such a great learning experience uh, for you and your, your, your whole life. You know, you, you remember that, yeah. And then you'd probably have your jaw dislocated, and uh, uh, it, would be, it would be so nice. That I remember my kids screaming at professionals, I could do better. I could do better. I remember the same thing happened when we were watching Wimbledon. Why didn't he just go for that? Why didn't he get that ball? Like, you're screaming at Roger Federer. You're, you're screaming at Rafael Nadal. You're screaming at Joe. Do you have any clue the, the, the skill that, that, that you're critiquing and criticizing? See, but, this is, but, but children don't, do they? Is somebody going to talk to me today? Anybody? Uh, children don't. Because they're immature and they haven't learned that they don't know. If you think that you do know when you don't know, you're going to share a lot of opinion that is unhelpful to the world. But it's what children do, and it's kind of how you learn and grow. When I was uh, in my early 20s, right before, I, I had just gotten a, a job as a youth pastor at Christ American Baptist Church right up the street. And I, uh, I drive by that church, by the way, and I pray for them Every single time I pass them, sometimes I pull into the parking lot and ask for revival. God bless Pastor Todd. Encourage this body. We're not in competition with anybody. We want to see revival. Amen? I served those people with all of my heart for years. I, I'm not against them. We're teaming up together. And so I pull into the parking lot. But I remember when I was working there, I was part-time there, and then I was uh, part-time at the YMCA. And my job in those days was to run this youth room, uh, youth room at the South Hanover Y, all of these games. They let me do some Bible studies, and then, then they had a ping-pong table, all right? This group of, of young people used to come in every single day after school and play ping-pong. Some of them were kind of good. There's this one guy, his name was Josh Abbott. Josh, are you here today, buddy? Because uh, uh, I think he's still in the area. Um, he, was, uh, he was playing ping pong, and he was destroying everybody. And I remember when he beat, like, his 10th person, um, I remember he, uh, he lifts his paddle to the sky, and he says, I can beat anybody at this Y. <laughs> well, what he didn't know is that I used to be a nationally ranked table tennis player. <laughs> and I always, in that day, I always went with my paddles. I have, one, I have multiple paddles. My best one cost $240. All right? I'm not joking. Oh, I'm going to start an Insta-feed about your paddles. Oh, thanks. You know. Oh, thanks so much, you know, for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to do that about your golf clubs then. Come on now. Like, you know, like, please, please. So, so uh, I said, hey, buddy, I said, I'll take you up on that challenge. So where did you learn? He goes, I used to play my uncle in my basement. Like, this is classic story of, a, of a, an overly uh, opinionated basement player that has never learned from people outside of their basement and outside of their uncle. And I just remember I devastated him so <laughs> severely. It felt, it felt evilly 
uh, good, all right? It's just like, yes. What happened, though, is that they began to come every day and bring their friends, and that guy even brought his uncle, which I roasted as well. Uh, but, uh, and they would all just come and play me, and I began, to, I began to love on them through this game that God just happened to make me good at. I, I was able to lead a lot of them to Jesus, and then one guy uh, eight years ago last Sunday passed away, but I was able to lead him to Jesus over a ping pong table first, all right? So the reason I'm telling you this is that many, many of us in, in our, uh, the statements that we make, the opinions that we have of ourselves or others, is they're coming out of immaturity. And you shouldn't have a platform to speak them yet until you've been spiritually parented and discipled. And through spiritual parents in your life, they say, no, no, it's not your season to speak. It's your season to learn. Grab your iPad and take notes. But stop talking so much. The, the strong statements that we make only make your ignorance plain. It's not how the church is supposed to operate. I, I've, I've talked to so many people that this happens. I was toying with whether I should say this, but I'm pretty, being pretty bold already. But I, I've talked to so many people that want to uh, uh, critique me theologically because they've listened to Charles Stanley for years. You know? Um, listen, that, that's basement theology. And, and maybe you need to come in, instead of making statements, come in asking questions. Somebody. But before you critique somebody, read their book. Uh, but before you try to add to a conversation, listen to the conversation. Uh, my advice to many of us is, is, is get a great journal and a great notebook and begin to write in it 10 to a million times before you begin to speak. Um, I remember when I was a, a youth pastor, I was living in Chicago, my first church, the pastor of the church was also a professional driver for a, uh, a, a, million, a multi-millionaire CEO in Chicago. He grew up all of his life in Chicago. He knew Chicago like the back of his hand. I didn't realize that, and he was on the phone once giving somebody directions. I interrupted him on the phone to say, hey, do you think that they should take 94 instead of 294? And then when I learned later that he's not only the pastor, which that was disrespectful in multiple ways, but he's also a professional driver, I sunk into a hole and I should have. This may not be my most popular sermon, all right? I'm, I'm just deducing that, just deducing that. Um, so, so strong opinions often show our ignorance and immaturity, but listen to this. This uh, about our uh, uh, opinionatedness, that biblical conviction from the heart of God will be wrapped in humility, not laced with scrutiny. You hear this? That biblical conviction from the heart of God. If, if you're being con convicted and it's from God, you're not going to feel scrutinized. You're, you're going to feel loved into the future. Biblical conviction from the heart of God will be wrapped in humility, not laced with scrutiny. Now, if you have your Bibles here, you know, we were just in Proverbs uh, or 18, but flip to Ephesians chapter 4 for one moment. This is such an important chapter of the Bible. It is, it is massively important that we, that we know this, get this, and live this, and don't write it off. But here, oh, here um, 
Uh, I was just in Galatians 4, and that's a good one to read that. Uh, but Ephesians 4 says this. This is Paul. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you, you have been called. Yes! We should be walking in a manner worthy of the calling we've been called. Well, what does that look like, Paul? I'm about to tell you. Look at verse 2. With all humility. The first thing he says, if you want to walk in a way that's worthy of the calling you've received, what's the first thing that looks like? Humility and gentleness with patience. Now take just that part and put it as a screen over our social. Humility, gentle, patient? I don't think. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, hearing with, bearing with one another in love. Hey, people are going to hurt us and offend us and not call us and defriend us. Our, our job is not to critique them as they leave our lives. Our job is to bear with them. If we get a chance at loving them, we will. We'll, ju we'll jump over any hurdle. Listen, you are a, a person welcomed into the, into the family of God by God. Who am I to discredit you? Let's eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You want to be eager to do something? It's, it shouldn't be eager to voice your feelings. You should be eager to operate in unity. I would love to see the church obsessed with this one. Instead of just sharing our facts all the time. What we're doing is we're pushing people away instead of being a safe place for them to wrestle Biblical conviction from the heart of God will be wrapped in humility, not laced with uh, scrutiny. Is your opinion for the purpose of venting? Is your opinion for the purpose of, of airing your frustrations? Is, is your opinion coming out of your mouth as, a, as a, a reactionary kind of thing? You know, send, post, uh, you know, emoji, negative emoji. Non-thumbs up. Or, or is what's driving your opinion humble, encased and wrapped with unity? Jesus, I'm going to say this because this is really going to bring us together. I want to bring us together, God. Despite our opinions, the, we've got the cross. I want us to bring us together around, around the cross that pays for everything that separates us. How about this one? Truth lands in a person's heart, only in a culture of love. Truth lands in a person's heart, only in a culture of love. It's atrocious theology that puts down love. Um, the uh, apologetics and reason alone does not break down spiritual barriers. But the greatest barriers to the gospel will only crumble at love. It is a powerful wrecking ball. Love. When we're treated uh, horribly, we love. Do you know that the church across the world is being persecuted more today than ever before? And actually, when you talk to the persecuted church, they're not asking us, the non-persecuted, opinionated church, to pray that the persecution will stop. They're praying for opportunity amidst the persecution and for strength to endure so they can love their accusers. Someone burns down their house. Pray that we will have love for them and get an opportunity or a platform to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. 
You don't win people that burn down to your house and sons and daughters into the kingdom in a lecture hall. You do it with love. You do it with love. Ephesians chapter 4, 15. This is, this, is, this is the way growth happens. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth. We've got to have truth. We can't have whitewashed, watered-down, feel-good believism. But that's not what we preach at Providence. We just baptized 22 people last week, guys. People are coming to Jesus. <laughs> Speaking the truth. So here's, here's what it is. Here's what it is. The truth goes, and the truth is so important, and it goes out. But the truth only lands when it's in the environment and the culture of love. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. How does a person grow into Christ more? Well, as, as people that are obsessed with the kingdom advancing and unity begin to get into our lives and say, that's not right. And I'm not saying this because you've ticked me off. I'm saying this because I love you and I want to see you grow into your full potential and bring Jesus maximum glory with your life. Can you hear this? Do you know that, uh, that, that uh, uh, words from a friend can be trusted even when they sting? Do you know that? Because a friend loves at all times, the Bible says. The, the recipients of our words must feel our love. We say, yeah, I speak the truth in love. Speak it all the time. Speak That's why I do it. I challenge that. If the people that you're speaking to are running from you instead of embracing you with tears afterwards, I do love the people. That's why I'm seeing this so strongly, getting in their face. Well, the, the recipients of our words must feel the love that in, as encasing the truth. I've already said this, but wisdom is not winning an argument. Many of us, we love feeling good about us by winning a battle. So that's what men like. We love to win battles. And sometimes the battle is, is actually is, is, is driving a person deeper into the ground. You feel good about you because you won. The person on the ground needed, needed truth and love. Um, my son Ethan, which you saw, he's that strapping, beautiful young man there, big old smile on his face. He's going to go to do great, magnificent things for the kingdom. But uh, he, was, he was on his, he's really uh, taking basketball seriously in these days. And he, at the end of this basketball season this year, he went up to all the kids on his team and he began to tell them what they need to do this summer so they can come back and they can have a winning season. He said, now you're a guard and you can't dribble, learn to dribble, okay? Now you over here, you just pray you grow, man, because you're short and I'm not, I, this is probably your last year, all right? And he was going around and telling everybody and people were getting angry at him and he was like, He's like, Dad, I just wanted us to win. I just wanted to tell him, uh, it wasn't the truth. I said, yeah, it was the truth, but you were a jerk about it. Dad, wasn't it the truth, though? Doesn't so-and-so need to learn how to dribble? Totally. But what he needs more than knowing how to dribble is he, he needs Jesus. And were you a good representation of him? We, we, we hold, well, what I said was true, like a, a badge, and it gives us license to say whatever we believe is true, however we want to say it. And we, we hurt people unnecessarily that way. So here's a few questions to ask yourself as you wrestle with this. Uh, ask yourself in this, do you, because we got to search our own hearts on this one, right? Here's something to ask yourself. Is, do you ask questions? Do you ask questions? 
I hang out with a lot of people. Take out a lot of people out to lunch. Beautiful people, the best people I've ever known at Providence. But there's some people you sit down and they just tell you, tell you, tell you, tell you, tell you, tell you the entire time. You're blessed to be with them, but they didn't ask a question the whole time. My question to you is, do you ask any questions? Proverbs 18, 15 says, the spiritually hungry are always ready to learn more. For their hearts are eager to discover new truths. When I'm looking for people in leadership at Providence, I'm not looking for people uh, who always have answers, who always have an opinion. I'm looking for humble people that are ready to make a stand against darkness, that want to invade the, the light of Jesus, full with a passion for Jesus, that love to learn and ask questions, that know, don't make people that they feel like are higher than them peons. And are strong enough to walk around. And actually, you know what's wonderful is when you can, uh, when a uh, a 55-year-old can learn from a 15-year-old. That's the kind of leader that I want to unleash in these days. And that's what the the kind of leader the world needs. Um, I was on a flight uh, when I was about 24 years old uh, to, um, where was I? doesn't really matter. I was going to a conference. I was a youth pastor. And it was a time in my life where I was excited. I was 24, 25 because the youth ministry I was leading went from 15 kids to hundreds. And we were seeing all kinds of salvations. And we were seeing revival. This is before YouTube, all right? We couldn't go live with anything. It was ju- it just what was what it was. It was before smartphones. And it's just, it's just here and in the heart of Jesus. But I remember I was, I was on a plane. I was sitting across. It was one of those places where, you know, you, you kind of, you're, you're right up front and you're sitting across from each other. And the gentleman that I was sitting across from was wearing a nice suit. And he was maybe in his early 60s, very kind. He started to engage with me in conversation right away. And he just started asking me questions and asking me questions. And I was, I was 24, 25, man. I was answering his questions. I didn't have any questions for him. If you want to ask, you're going to learn. You're going to learn. So for three hours of St. Louis, about three, two and a half, three hours of, of, of him asking questions, I finally asked him a question. I said, so, you know, we're landing. I didn't hear anything about you. Uh, who are you? What do you do? He, and he said his name. And I said, okay. He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm the, uh, I'm the president of Southwestern Theological Seminary. That's how I feel. Whoever's crying on that, that's exactly how I felt. I was like, dear Lord Jesus rapture me now. <laughs> Get me off of this plane and never send me back, all right? So I had just like spoken, wow, yeah. Oh, he was asking me about youth ministry. He was asking me about leadership. He was asking me about the Bible. What I should have done is I should have put a bag over my head and just laid at his feet, uh, sucked my thumb and said, speak. <laughs> speak. Your servant is listening. I'm here. I had the opportunity to actually learn from a giant. I just couldn't shut up with what I thought I had to say. Here's, do you know that James chapter 1 verse 19 says this, that you're to be quick to hear. Quick to hear. You need to hear what people are saying. Open ears, even people that you disagree with. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. But what we're operating in in the church today is the exact opposite. We get angry, so we begin to speak and we never listen. Fire that off. Fire this opinion. Comment, comment, comment. Email the pastor. Call the pastor. Do something else. You know, 
confide in somebody for prayer. But if prayer was happening, guys, we'd be a different place. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Here's a question for you. Uh, Do you have close relationships with people of different opinions? See, this is where, this is kingdom. is kingdom. That how you grow is you have to be involved in people's lives and speak hard truths in the context of love. And it's that that because there's difference of opinion going on or there's correction that needs to happen, right? Uh, The Bible says iron sharpens iron. There's a clanging and a clashing and sparks are flying. And we're searing, but we're so unified together around Jesus that, that we're not threatening to leave. Do you have close relationships with people of different opinions? denominationalism comes in and is so afraid to talk to to somebody of a different opinion that we just form cliques of people who never have to disagree. And I would say, we've got to burst bubbles and we've got got to get out and we've got to sit down. Um, Francis Chan is hanging out with a bunch of Pentecostals and I think that's awesome. But a, a lot of people that I know are saying, burn Chan. Burn his books to the ground. James McDonald just had like, kind of like a moral failure. Throw his books out as if God never used him and the words that he wrote weren't true. Guys, we've got to be, we've got to be better than this. Way better than this. Here's, here's one. Do you have, have close relationships with, with people of different opinions? I make sure that I get my hair cut, whether it's good or not. That's not what we're talking about. And just look, okay, form your opinion. Listen, I know, all right? So, but I make sure that I get my hair cut with someone that is completely different than me. Completely. Just so I can sit in a chair for half an hour. As I'm losing it, it's more like seven minutes, you know, like, and just, just talk and hear a different perspective and bring Jesus to it. So here's one. Uh, do you live in submission? No, I don't live in submission. This is 2019. <laughs> submission. Well, 2 Corinthians, this is, this is a great question to ask. And we'll eradicate our opinion, uh, opinionatedness really quick. But 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 13 says this. By their approval of this service. Now, here's what that is. A letter had been sent to Corinth basically saying, you guys are going to give a financial gift to Jerusalem. And we're going to distribute it, not necessarily back to you, but all around as we see needed. And so give joyously. You're going to do this. And so Paul is writing the Corinthians, and he's basically saying, have this ready. I'm not going to ask for you to get it going. I'm going to come and receive it. Oh. Doesn't sound like great leadership to me. Sounds like the opposite, kind of. But listen, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them all and for others. Can, can, can we read, can we just look at that for a second? Because this is the kind of verse that we skim over. And I want to actually look at it backwards here for a second. If you, if you, if your profession is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want to recommend that one of the great things that flow out of that confession, a fruit of that confession, is submission. And submission isn't being a peon that lays on the ground and says, abuse me. Uh, submission says, I'm willing to team up with you even though I don't understand. 
Um, I, I, don't, I don't even know if I necessarily get it, but I'm with you. Okay. You want us to give a gift and you want to do it joyously? Um, that's hard. You have no clue what you're asking, but listen, I'm going to trust you enough. So what happens is, is, is the gospel produces that kind of teaming up, that type of unity, that type of submission. And what that does is it beautifies the kingdom, beautifies the world, and brings glory to Christ. But often what, what we hear today is not submission, not, but it's the constant challenging of those in authority. Constant unrest in our souls about how they are, whatever, what they're asking us to do. It could be our parents, it could be our bosses. But do, do you, is there anybody in life that you actually willingly volunteer your, hey, okay, okay. Recently I asked the elders for something and they, they, they said, now's not the time. I challenged that a little bit. I'm not saying now, I'm just saying then. Yeah, that. And they said, yeah, the answer's still no. Okay, moving on, moving on. It's just how it works. Happens all, it should happen all the time. We have to trust the people that God's put in our lives. Say, they're your anointed, moving on. I'm not getting bitter, I'm actually being led. Thank you for the gift of submission. Thank you for good directions. Do you have close, uh, do, do, is there anybody in your life, do you seem to end relationships and just keep going off and doing your own thing? So I want to start a ministry. I think I'm going to have to leave Providence. Just I got I, somebody told me on a Sunday morning, Nathan, I'm leaving Providence. I want to go be a worship leader, and I don't want to be under anybody's thumb. Well, by all means, please take your opinion with you. <laughs> That's going to poison us. It's going to poison us. Sometimes we need hard sermons like this, and I'm willing to give them because I, I believe that there are better days and I'm not willing to, to be a, a part of this, this wave of obsessing over our opinions. I want to be a part of, a, of revival. The winds of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, how do you want to blow? Where do you want to blow? Find me in that force. I believe that the church is supposed to light up the world. I believe the church is supposed to walk into the, the most impoverished places on the world and bring the life of Jesus to it. That's what I believe. I believe that what the world is running from, the most, the, the most hopeless, the most downcast, the most dejected, I believe the church is supposed to see these people in these situations and believe for miracles in their lives and in their situations. I believe that we're supposed to, we're supposed to hug people we never would. I believe we're supposed to hope for people that seem to be hopeless. I believe that even if we disagree with people, we never give up on them. We never give up on them. Uh, some of our best friends in the world, they just informed us that, they're, that uh, you know, we just don't believe the same things anymore. And my good friend, he shared this with me, and he did it with a little trepidation. Because I'm a pastor, yo. So I just want to let you know that here's what I believe now. And uh, I hugged him. And I sent him a text that says, I don't love you because we share the same opinion. I love you because I love you. And what that has done is allowed me to stay in his life. If I had to share my opinion about what he believes, we would not be friends. But because I'm loving him, though we don't share the same opinion, and I'm refusing to practice denominationalism with people that I would die for and with, and I'm sure he would die for me. I'm deciding to stay in his life. Stay. 
opinions don't hold us together. Jesus does. Come on. Come on. Come on. So, so I just, I, uh, I just want, can you just close your eyes for a moment? Can you do just some business with God? Right now, I just, just pray that even if you're, uh, if you're okay with this, and even if you're not, you want to challenge yourself today, just put your hands out in a receiving posture. And you're just telling God, hey, God, I mean business today. Really mean business. Uh, for those of us here today that we would just say, God, I, uh, I've loved my opinions more than people. I have, uh, I have sounded off on my opinions out of frustration and not the love of the Father. Love's not spilling out of me in truth. Um, I'm spilling out of me and it's hurting people. I just pray, I, I just ask you, if, if you're there today and you want to change and you want to be a conduit of the love of the Father, you actually want to be, uh, you want to encounter God again in a way that when people meet you, they're encountering God. If that's you today, I just pray just in your own way, right in the depth of your heart, that you just welcome God right, right in. Right in. God, I've been obsessed with winning arguments. I've been obsessed with being right. I've been obsessed with not being a failure. And I've been so obsessed with so many other things that have nothing to do with your kingdom. And so God, just today, we just pray this, this would be a changing day. God, I, I just pray that just all over the place, God, you, you begin to break hearts and release hearts into your love. And I pray that people that, that never knew that they were loved or could be loved, God, I pray that you would fill them up with, with a, a, just a liquid love being poured from heaven, that they would never question it again, and that they give it away, that they give it away, that they'd be an encounter with the Father wherever they go. God, I just pray for, uh, for conversations that need to be had. I pray for uh, uh, accounts that need to be um, um, turned off, social accounts that just need to be abandoned. God, I pray that we would have the courage to do just that. So we bless you. We praise you. Thank you for this moment here, God. And uh, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.